Okay, so there's a bit in this episode where we learn some things about Klingon anatomy. I don't know if you noticed it, but there's part where uh, she's talking to one of the Klingons and she's like, your left 14th rib still hurts and your right Kivon always gets sore when it's raining outside. So I want to know your guess of what, what a Kivon is. Oh, uh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, I know from there's a, there's an episode of TNG where you find out that Klingons basically have like a backup set of organs, basically got backup like entire like circulatory, you know, all those systems just in case like one of them gets hurt. But yeah, Kivon. Uh, I don't know. For some reason, like I I pictured something that kind of looks like a kidney. Okay. Yep. Me. That that is like exactly what I was was thinking too when i heard it is like it's for some reason it's something that like some internal organ that does something similar to a kidney but yeah that's about all i got as well (laughs) i I tried to look it up on memory alpha and it there's no entry for a kivon basically all it says is it's a klingon organ that they have at least two of because they reference that it's his (laughs) left one Wow. Um, but but that's all anybody. Apparently, this is the only time it's mentioned. Can't I can't believe there hasn't been like a novel, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? For a few Kivons more. I I did not look in memory beta. That is a good point, which is the like equivalent for non-canonical things. So I should have done my due diligence there. I'm sorry. Hi, and welcome to Out of Contracts, the show where two guys who have seen part of Star Trek try to watch all of it in no particular order. I'm Ryan Howard. And I'm Brady Jungle. And on our episode this week, we are going to be talking about uh, Deep Space Nine, episode 19 of the second season, which is called Blood Oath. The Memory Alpha summary is three old Klingon warriors reunite on Deep Space Nine, seeking Curzon Dax with whom they entered into a blood oath to one day exact revenge on an enemy for killing the warrior's firstborn sons. Finding Jadzia as worthy a warrior as they felt Curzon to be, she joins the Klingons in completing their vendetta. Wow, that that uh, that, that last sentence is not, uh, not a correct <laughs> sentence. But no, it is not. It's some, some uh, mixed, mixed... Mixed uh, modifiers. Yeah. Is it mixed modifiers? Or, or, yeah. It's something. It's, something. it's not right. Yeah, <laughs> you, you would not believe that we both majored in various forms of English or writing in college. But. Well, I mean, I know it's wrong. I still <laughs> exactly. Not exactly no. sure like how you. I, I and I know why it's wrong. I just don't know exactly what the term is. For, yeah. for what it is. Uh, that's interesting that this is such a long summary. Yeah, I feel like usually they do more of like a teaser. Like they would just do the first sentence of that instead right. of kind of telling you how it ends up as well. Yeah, and to kind of preview my uh, opinion on this episode, it's such a long summary for an episode in which, to me, very little happens. Really, that doesn't it was bad, but it 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 wasn't. Uh, it it just kind of seemed like there's a lot of waiting around to get to the fireworks factory uh, on this one. Yeah, see, and that was something I almost kind of liked about it because the the majority of the episode is the talking and setting up you know it's only the last sort of 10 minutes or so that are the actual them attacking the the albino and we've talked a little bit about dax and the trill in previous episodes but just in in case 
the the whole, there's a character on Deep Space Nine named Jadzia Dax, and she's a trill, which means is a species that there's a a symbiont or a kind of very long-lived being can only live by being in a symbiotic relationship with a host, which is the kind of humanoid like person that everybody sees and interacts with. And so Jadzia is the current host of the Dax symbiont, who before this was somebody named Curzon, who was an old friend of uh, Captain Sisko on Deep Space Nine and kind of is portrayed as this much more like vigorous, adventurous type of type of person. I didn't, I didn't realize that he knew that he knew uh, Cisco. Yeah, they kind of talk about that every now and then. But yeah, Cisco is sort of an old friend with uh, an old friend with Curzon Dax, and so they have this kind of you know he treats Jadzia as this like old buddy that was kind of his mentor, even though now she's you know physically kind of younger and lower ranking than him in Starfleet. Mm-hmm. And so the sort of the backstory here is that Curzon used to be friends with these three Klingons and when they were wronged and declared this blood oath where they would die getting vengeance on the albino Curzon Dax went into that with them. And what what kept being unclear to me, because so the episode starts out with first two of the three Klingons, uh, Kor and then uh, Koloth show up on Deep Space Nine and then uh, the third one, Kang or Krang? I think it is Kang because I was I was chuckling at that because there's a character in Marvel Comics named Kang. Named Kang. Is, yeah, it is Kang. Yeah. Okay, um, they all kind of come to Deep Space Nine, and what I could never quite figure out is, did they come to Deep Space Nine because they knew Dax was there, and they were trying to pick up Dax for this thing, or did, did, was it just by coincidence that this is where they met up? Yeah, I, I. This is what I could never figure out because they. Yeah, I couldn't figure that out either. I was trying to figure that out. Like as well, they were all trying to I, get together, but then they all seem surprised that that Jedzia Dax is the same as. For a long, a lot of it, they don't really accept her as being the same person. Or. Well, maybe they meet there because that's where. Because you said that he used to be friends with Cisco. Did they? Did they think that maybe Dax was with oh, Cisco maybe. and didn't realize that? that Dex wasn't Curzon anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was also kind of curious. I was so confused by that, and I, I'm not sure that it was... I'm not sure that we missed it, or if it just kind of really wasn't very well explained. Okay. Um, but but anyways, they all kind of now are on Deep Space Nine together, and Kang has sort of called... at least called uh, Koloth and Kor together, and we don't know whether or not has intentionally called Dax here too, because he's finally found where the albino is and is kind of getting them together to to go attack the albino and, and finally get their vengeance. And the albino, the reason why they're after the albino is that they were in some kind of conflict with him back when Curzon was alive, and then the albino killed some of those Klingons' kids. Yes, uh, each of the, in, I think in, it was in, each of their firstborn sons. Yeah, and through the conversation, we find out that that one of those sons was actually uh, like Curzon Dax was that was made the godfather of that son. That that's how close his relationship was with these with these three. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the one thing I don't know if you read about this at all or picked up on this, but 
did you recognize any of the names of these three Klingons? You know I didn't, sir. You know I never recognize any Klingon. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. So, so I wondered, uh, the one that, that kind of jumped out to me for some reason was Koloth. And I was like, that sounds really familiar. And again, I didn't know if it was just a Klingon name or not. But Koloth is actually the Klingon captain in The Trouble with Tribbles. Oh. And actually, all three of these are characters that showed up at some point during uh, the original series. And they actually got all three of the same actors to play them. So they, their forwards have returned to normal in the time period between the original series and now. Yeah, uh, yeah. They <laughs> they don't talk about it in the episode, and Memory Alpha kind of makes this like little mention on all three. But if you like look at all three of their pages, you know it has this little thing of, at some point between then and now, they reverted back to looking like a normal Klingon. That's cool. But yeah, Koloth and Kang and Kor, like each of them were in an episode of the original series where they were... The only one I remembered was, or like the episode that I recognized was Trouble with Tribbles, where Koloth is the, the Klingon captain that comes down to the to that station. You must have realized it, cause it because we just watched the uh, the Trials and Tribulations, yeah. And I, th- I think that's why the name sounds familiar, is because he also made an appearance in that. But yeah, all three of them are... That's and they're, they're the same actors, too, which I thought was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So yes, these are all... Klingons that we have apparently seen before. Okay. Because it's not really acknowledged at all in the episode, but I thought it was a neat little like thing that they did from a kind of writing and production standpoint to get these guys back together. There is a, there is a speech that Kolak gives at some point where he basically is nostalgic for the good old days where basically where he wasn't like friends with the people he was trying to kill or something like that. Like He kind of like has this kind of like weird like speech which is kind of like the Klingon version of like everything's too PC now like <laughs> yeah and I was like this is a strange yeah like the, the show makes him it makes him out to be like kind of this weird hero for wanting it to be like the old days but like the old days were bad especially for Klingons they were bad yeah because I think the thing he says is I remember when you know the Klingon Empire would strike fear into the hearts of people and now our you know our grandsons are opening shops where they sell Klingon trinkets to the grandchildren of people that I murdered. And you're just kind of like, oh. That sounds better. That sounds better than what you were doing. Right? Like, running a business sounds better than murder. But, uh, I mean, maybe you're not for your Klingon, but... Uh, yeah. And and that, I think, is a kind of what, one of the things that I liked about this episode that I thought they did well is that it's really all about change but kind of in, like, they approach it from multiple different ways. Um, mm-hmm. Because you see how, like, Dax is the one who has the most, like, clearly and most visibly really is not the same person that, that she was back then. Because yeah. she's a trill and she's in a different host. But then, as and she... And not only does she look different, but that, like, you take on, when when the symbiote is in a different person like it, it kind of does become a different person where like it's a combination of the symbiote and that symbiote's past personalities now combined with this new personality so it isn't just like yeah. she's like oh i'm curzon but now i'm a lady it really she really is yeah she kind of has different, different personality yeah. and values and kind of through her conversations with with the other pe- uh people on the station with kira and with cisco and them you kind of get the sense that Curzon would have been totally okay with 
going and, and murdering people, or maybe not, but, you know, more kind of along that line. And she now is someone that's more thoughtful about that sort of thing and more peaceful. I mean, he did agree that he would go murder those people. That's, I mean, he, so he, would, he was at least pretty okay with it. Yeah, he kind of signed up for it. Uh, and so so that's that's one of the things, is that she's, like, changed and is a different person. And, and the question is, is she still... Should she still be held to an agreement in a this blood oath that she made when she was someone else? Mm-hmm. But then is the... Because, like you said at the beginning, the majority of this episode is them all sitting around and talking on Deep Space Nine. And it's it's really, you know, it's Dax trying to convince the Klingons to let her come with them on this mission. And, and as she's talking to kind of each of them individually, they talk about these other ways in which things have changed. You know, it's, I think it is, it's either Koloth or Kang that, that talks about like the Klingon empire is not as warlike as it used to be, you know, just the, the universe itself has changed and isn't the same as it was back then when they would just fly around kind of doing whatever they wanted and killing people. And Kor, who is the one that uh, was introduced as, you know, he's kind of turned into this old drunk who's definitely lost a step from when he used to be this great warrior. And, and he feels that, and he feels that, you know, he's, he's no longer kind of the great person that he, that he used to be. And it, it is interesting that, that I think that's, you expect it to be the story of, when they first introduced it, of the story to be about them and their this attack on the albino and this big, great, glorious fight. And what the actual kind of conflict is, is, is these people having to deal with the inevitable change that has happened and that none of them are who they used to be and that the world itself is not what it used to be. And that, that, that was the part that I kind of felt, found really good about this episode and, and that I thought they, they did definitely spend a lot of time on it, but I thought they did a good job of, of really building that part of the story. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I just, I, I felt like at a certain point that I kind of, like I got it, you know, mm-hmm. and that, that, that point was before they stopped doing it. That's fair. They may have spent a couple I think too. It's like, you know, this is this is what we were talking about in the last episode. But it's like, what? How does the show want us to feel about Klingons? Because, you know, there's that kind of very perfunctory scene in the middle where, like, the the one scene basically that Cisco is in. This is what I was talking about in the last episode, by the way, about like seeming like the people who are part of the main cast have to get a scene. Yeah. Although Bashir and Bashir and uh, O'Brien aren't in this episode at all, I don't think. But then like yeah, um, right. Kira's in like two up two scenes and like Cisco's in two scenes but only one of them does he even talk. And then like I think Quark's in like a scene. Quark and Odo are in like the very first scene. Yeah. Where they just have this little exchange and then Odo throws Kor in jail. Yeah, it's a very, very Dax centric episode. Um but like there's that scene where he's kind of like no you can't do this a you don't have to you don't have to do this because you're not Curzon anymore and b this is you're murdering someone and and the, there's a tv show called revenge that that was on abc like earlier in this decade that kim watched all of and she would and she would tell me about kind of things that happened on it we would kind of joke around about whether something was tv okay because basically like it was about this woman who was wronged by a bunch of different people and she kind of comes back into town and she's going to she's going to 
commit acts of revenge against everybody. And it was all stuff where, you know, if you were doing that stuff in real life, it'd be like, oh, no, that's that's bad or wrong or you shouldn't do that or, or what have you. But then, you know, it's like it's the thing of like when you watch like a heist movie or things like that, where it's like, OK, well, we're going to we're going to ignore like what you should really do because we're going to because it's like enjoyable and so it's like you know this is how she revenged this guy she she framed him for something and then he got thrown in jail it, you know uh that's tv okay we would say and so like <laughs> it, it is this thing where it's like they do kind of try to make this tv okay because the thing that this guy did is he killed a bunch of little kids which they, I, they do kind of really try to like kind of play up how villainous and bad he is but also, it's, it's a Starfleet. It is just kind of wild that she's just like, well, I really do, I really do feel like I'm convicted to have to go kill this guy for revenge. Like, it's just, it seems very, and I, I'm curious, and I, neither of us know the answer because we've only ever seen, you've only ever seen the first season of the show. the The episode ends, spoiler alert, I guess, with her having participated in the killing of this guy against Cisco's orders. And then she comes back on the ship and Cisco kind of looks at her very severely and then the episode ends. And so I was thinking to myself, like, does she get in trouble? Like, is this something that comes back in the next episode or later on? Because he basically, the last thing he does before she leaves is he kind of like gives her an order not to go. Yeah. And she says, well, I'm going to go and you can't stop me. So if that means I get thrown out of Starfleet, then so be it. He can stop her, too. I mean, she works for Starfleet. He could throw her in jail or something. Yeah, and then he does just kind of come back, and she comes back and just sort of quietly goes back to work, and there's this sense that, like, things aren't the same between, like, her and her co-workers, but at the same time, there don't seem to be any tangible consequences, at least. Yeah, that was that was a, it was a very strange ending, and it was I wrote down I didn't remember any notes for this episode, but one of, that was one of the notes I wrote down was just this is again like one of the the weird things about watching the show this way is that I am kind of like huh, I wonder if she got in trouble for that, or if it's just like her her trouble is like kind of yeah. that Full House style thing where Danny just says I'm I'm really disappointed in what you did today, and then like no one ever gets in trouble. <laughs> right. The episode ends on a sad note, and then the next episode picks up some amount of time later, in which no one really remembers yeah so uh yeah they kind of they they kind of kick around for a long time talking about you know at first like she's not sure she wants to do it and then she ends up being sure that she wants to do it and then they're not sure that they want to take her because they think that she's too different or they think she's they think she's not strong enough and so she does like a a bat left fight with one of them which is the age of the question like is the bat left actually <laughs> an effective weapon yeah all, all the bat left fights are kind of like they do their best, but they are kind of awkward and clumsy. <laughs> yeah, uh, something I think is kind of interesting about this episode is that you kind of realize eventually that well, they not even realize they just outright say it that like the three Klingons. One of the reasons they didn't want to take her is that they are all were just basically just expecting to die, and in, in fact, yeah. like that one of them actually talked to the albino ahead of time and said, oh, well, he knows we're coming, but this is, like, an honorable way to go out as in battle, and, like, I'm kind of too old to do anything else. And Dax is kind of like, well, this is not a very good way. You you guys are too interested in death, and, you know, this is not, like, a very 
not necessarily honorable, but it's just it's just like not not a good attitude to have about yourselves, about like the usefulness of yourselves, or about like what you should be doing, like what your life's purpose should be about. And so she says, well, what if we actually try to actually kill him and successfully escape? Um, and so they kind of develop an alternate plan to do this, uh, yeah. Which I think is like a a good way for that to like play out yeah the whole the, kind of the culmination of that scene is you know because they were all saying that this kind of line that gets thrown around by klingons of today is a good day to die and then she convinces them of what if we instead of treating this like a suicide mission what if we actually try to to succeed and to to win and survive and so one of them says maybe today is a good day to live and it's like, like well mm-hmm. it's it's a fair point i suppose yeah so they kind of end up. I think they like plant a bomb or something in the in the uh, the, the the building. Yeah, if I remember it, uh, I think Dax blows up the the armory as like a distraction to get everyone to open the gate and run out, or something like for some reason of distraction. And then they use some science on their ship to disable everybody's guns. So yeah, that it yeah. has to be hand-on-hand combat because they feel like with the other side having the numbers advantage, they're going to be better suited to fight hand-to-hand because the three of them are all masters of Batleth combat. Yeah. So they disable all of their guns. They yeah carry out some plan to like blow up something to cause a distraction to get inside the room where the albino actually is. Oh yeah, what it is actually is that they there there's a mine that's buried in the building that's set to blow up when they come in because the albino is just going to double cross them and so they they rig it so that it blows up you know to actually yeah, that's right. negatively affect the albino and his forces. Um this is very this I got very major like Ewoks uh <laughs> around the the shield generator uh, out of this out of the section especially that one scene where Dax walks up to a guy and says, asks him where the tennis courts are, and then punches him in the face. It's like one of those things where it's like, it kind of seems like a cool thing to do, and then you realize that like from the point of view of the assailant, or the person who's being assailed, rather, they just like the last thing they've heard before they got knocked out is, the last thing they felt was just like, huh? And then they get knocked out. Like, it's like, it's not cool. It's just like, it's just a very strange thing to say. <laughs> yeah, and all of the, the sort of guards that the albino has, you know, they have these masks on and are just kind of these like it's just like faceless I guess sort of stormtrooper reminiscent type of yeah like not that they look like stormtroopers but just that aspect of like they're wearing masks and they're kind of just faceless and you can just beat up a bunch of them and throw them off to the side and forget about them yeah Um, yeah and so then they have this kind of last stand battle they're fighting off all of these guards and the Klingons sort of one by one get mortally wounded and it comes down to just Dax and the albino. And she's sort of standing over him, and she's knocked away his weapon, and she is kind of trying to decide whether or not to bring herself to be the one to kill him or not. Mm-hmm. And he sort of can tell that, you know, she's doesn't want to and is taunting her, and then uh, one of the Klingons picks up his weapon and stabs him and kills him, and they've killed the albino but 
I think is it all th- all three Klingons end up dying, or does one of them? No, Core, um, the first one you see, he ends up not being he he doesn't die. Okay, because he's kind of comforting. I think Koloff is the first one who dies, and Core is kind of like comforting him, and then okay, Kang and then Kang is, is the one who's who's fighting the albino yeah. and gets knocked out and then, okay. Yeah. And then Kang kind of stabs him from behind and then, and then like the albino dies and then kind of core wanders up and, you know, says a Colossus is dead. And then, uh, Kang dies shortly thereafter. And then core sings like a, a dead Klingon song. I was really, dis- I'm always disappointed now after, uh, like the one or two episodes, uh, that I've seen of this happen in TNG where it, when Klingons die, like other Klingons stand over them and just yell at the ceiling. Yeah, I kept expecting that because yeah. I know Worf has done that a couple of times. I think even in episodes we in episodes we've watched, Worf has done that too, right? Uh, I'm not sure about that, but I, I guess I don't remember that. But maybe, maybe I'm I might be. I think he may have done. That. I think he may have done that when um, Jadzia died, actually. Oh, or maybe right, that was right. Just I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's. Um, I'm always disappointed now when that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'd also like expected that to happen in like in the middle of the fight, have Core just sort of suddenly start roaring as loud as he could at the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Jedzia goes back to Deep Space Nine and just kind of quietly, pensively looks around and starts doing her job, and everyone just kind of looks at her, and then the episode ends. Yeah, I mean... I I don't know. I I liked some parts of this, but I did think it was a little like it almost kind of seemed like they didn't like this almost could have used a B plot to me to fill it out a little bit. Yeah, that does make sense. Is yeah, there really was nothing else going on. Like none of the other characters were doing anything other than kind of dropping in to give their opinion on Dax's story. I do really I want to like I want to like Klingons. And I just sometimes the show just makes it hard. Again, it's like I liked the actors; I thought they did a good job. But it is like a thing of. It did seem like the show really wanted me to be on board with them, getting revenge. And like, were this a revenge movie about Klingons, I probably would be. But then, like, putting that in conflict with like the ideals of Starfleet, it does kind of like take the fun out of that a little bit because you are like, oh well, really they shouldn't be doing this, you know, or at least she shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, um, I guess that is that is true. I I feel like I've been kind of negative in this episode, and I do want to say that I the I wrote down very little about this in my notes, but I, one of the things I did write down was that I really do like the way that DS Nine does trill stuff. I just think the concept and like how they kind of retool it for this series, you know, from its original incarnation in Next Gen, I think is really really interesting. Yeah, I I agree. I think it's one of those. It's one of those things where they, you know, you take kind of, you've created this this race or this character with this attribute, and they really explore the different things you can do with, you know, what if we had this symbiotic type of being where you have one that's been around been and been different people mm-hmm. and, like, is different each of those times. I feel like it's in the same sense that each series kind of has a a sort of unique character that they can really explore and kind of do those types of things with, you know, like I feel like Voyager kind of explores different aspects of seven of nine and what it's like to like have been a human that's been a Borg and now is trying to 
reincorporate back into being a human, or like with TNG does with data. I feel like Dax is kind of the equivalent of that on Deep Space Nine of like, well, what kind of stories can we come up with and tell with a character that has this unique trait? I think those are the Trill stories, I feel like, are always kind of really good. Yeah, uh, I was watching this episode with Kim, my wife, and she was asking me who my favorite character is on the show, on, on DS9. And I said, uh, Worf, probably. And then I was like, and then I probably like O'Brien, the, the second best. Yeah. And Kim said, wait, your two favorite characters <laughs> in the show are two characters who would debut on a different show. And I was like, yep, that's the case. And then as I was watching this, I was like, oh, you know, I do like, uh, Dex is my favorite, I think, character that I've seen so far anyway. She's my favorite character that originates like on DS9 the show, original. I think. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I feel like I I feel like I haven't really seen enough of like Quark or maybe Odo to judge. Those two probably would probably be like my my runners up. I yeah. I'm not like a big Bashir fan or a Cisco fan or a Kira fan, but um Yeah. Uh I did think that Kira had a good like Kira's one scene in this episode I did actually think was was really good. I liked it a lot. I I don't know. I I, I felt like that was not super well acted, but uh, I'm. I mean, you're not. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just didn't didn't respond to it the right way. But I mean, it, at least it was like well conceived. I I don't know that I can speak to how well it was acted, but I I liked that idea of because um there's a point when they're they're together and Dax asks Kira, you know, initially she starts out by asking her like, how many people did you kill when you were this resistance fighter on Bajor and like what was it like, and at first Kira gets real defensive and like doesn't want to think about it because she thinks that it's about her Mm -hmm. and then she kind of figures out that the reason dax is asking is because she's considering going and and killing someone and sort Mm -hmm. of the i don't know i thought she did a good job of like the concern that she feels for her when as she's figuring that out like she makes her she uh kira makes uh jedzia tell her what is actually going on and like why are you asking and and tries like the very last line kind of falls a little flat where she's like i I forget what she even says but it's something along the lines of like whenever you kill somebody else affects you too or like a little part of you dies or something like that that is this sort of cliche sounding line that kind of falls flat but up until that point i thought just that was an interesting thing of that you know, it is the significant part of her own history. And once she figures out what's going on, she is actually very concerned for her friend. Mm-hmm. There was one other kind of quick thing I thought, going back to the Trill being very interesting, that there was a, a line where uh, Jedzia talks about how Curzon Dax died. And I thought that was a very kind of interesting aspect that they don't really explore, but I thought was interesting to consider of like that the host remembers how, or that not the host, that the symbiont remembers how previous hosts, like the death of previous hosts. Mm. Because she also talks about how like he was in a hospital and like they were, you know, they were trying to drag on his life as many days as possible. And I wondered like, but why? Like if the symbiont can just put into a new host, does that do Trill kind of value the lives of the host less or like does it matter less to keep them alive if you can just find anyone and i don't know yeah 
That's interesting. I, I was having a good time looking up um, the all the different canonical hosts of decks uh, because they mention, I think, like 10 different ones. Really? Well, I guess, or I guess nine different ones. Ten if you count that guy who took Dax out of Jadzia. Oh, yeah. Uh, in like... the second episode that we did for the show. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's Leela, Tobin, Emini, Audrid, Torius, Joran, Curzon, Jadzia, and Ezri are the... And then apparently there's an, there's also, like, there's an alternate timeline that is in one of the... Uh, DS9 episodes, but there's a, there's someone who's named Yedrin who is uh, the Dax host. So, huh. uh, so that's that's kind of fun. I I, I, I really like. I mean, we talked about it, but you know, even in the last episode that we did for DS9, when she kind of mentions that she had, that's interesting too. That I'm not thinking about it because it it seems like uh, Curzon knew them. This is one of those things where I have to admit that I'm not fully exactly sure about like when the original series happens in relation to like the show. So I think that in this one, they throw around that it was like 80 years ago. But then that's interesting because Curzon then was probably alive back then. And then the, the, the person before Curzon, I think was also a man. But then uh, when Jadzia goes back in time, she mentions having sex with, or she kind of implies oh, yeah, that she right. had sex with, with bones. bones. Yeah, and yeah, Tor- Torias too. Also, also is a man. That's the one before that. So huh. maybe, maybe they must have gone through a lot in short succession. Well, maybe uh, Bones is bi. I don't know. Like, I mean, <laughs> could, Bones is definitely not. Bones is definitely likes women. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, I wonder. I wonder if someone's like tried to like do the math on that, like in terms of, of. Uh, like which which version of Dax would have would have would have been with Bones? Yeah, but um, that's true. Uh, it's kind of an interesting because they, yeah. Well, I guess I don't know because they when they talk about like Dax's history or Curzon's history with these Klingon, it I guess it could have been a little bit after the original series because apparently uh, Curzon was a big part of the negotiations to eventually bring peace between. The Klingon and the Federation, which I guess would have been after the original series. Yeah, I don't know. Oh no. Okay, so then it says. So actually, it says that the her host Emini is the one that met McCoy, and so Emini was five before Jadzia. Hmm. So we must be wrong about like the timeline, like how how long ago. But then, how old are these Klingons then? Because the Klingons are all from the original series. So what's yeah. what is? Wait, wait. Okay, let's 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 figure this out. We got time. This is okay. a short episode. So uh, let's see. Uh, Star Trek timeline. Fascinating. I'm sure if you are someone who actually knows this already. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. um, we'll, we'll get. Get plenty of people screaming at their uh... so enterprise starts in 2151 then discovery is in 2255 the original series is 2265 um the animated series is 2269 star trek movies are 2273 and then the next generation is 2364 so that's a hundred years hundred years yeah 
And then, yeah, D Space Nine is 2369. So, presumably, this is a season two episode, right? Yeah. Uh, pres- presumably, this would take place in 2370. So, it would be, and then it says, Emony Dax met McCoy. And that was back when he was in, like, the Academy, right? I think they say. Yeah. Or, like, I, she, she makes some comment about, like, him being a much younger man. Yeah, she met him, it looks like, 20 years before the original series started. So she m- met him, so that would be 2245, and then, uh, this is more math. Um, so about, no, 125 years before this episode. Well, I guess how long do you... That doesn't make any sense. Well, okay, so because then, all right, so then... So, so, sh- so Dax has been through five hosts in... In 125 years. Yeah. But it says Curzon lived... I mean, like, I guess when you're a trill, you don't have a sim... I guess that that's a must be how it is. Because I think when you're a trill, you don't... All, you don't you're not born with a symbiote. Like, you, you, you oh, live yeah, for a while right. before it's you It's, like, are. in their, like, adolescence or even, like, early adulthood, I think, that they are yeah. bonded. So, yeah, because it says that Curzon was the host from 2286 to 2367. So, he was the host... He was the host for about 80 years. And then some of those other people must have had very short yeah. hosting. Uh, well, okay. I think we've, I think we've solved it. I think that's, that's what, the, that's what it okay. is. I'm not sure that it necessarily is uh, worth us trying to figure out the rest of it on air, but there must've been a couple in the middle there that just did not, host the Dax for, for very long at all. Yeah. I think I'm going to do some extra reading on this later because I don't know that it's interesting <laughs> radio, but I am kind of curious now. But uh, anyway, yeah, the other thing I was going to say, since we do have extra time, is that I am continually confused on this show about what... And I, this is to a lesser extent true of every Star Trek show, but what is the state of money in the future (laughs) like it doesn't seem like starfleet has money but then why is quark operating this bar because the show opens this episode opens with uh core i believe drunk and like playing a battle in one of the hollow suites in quark's bar and quark says that he has paid for one hour and he's been in it for three hours and so what is hap- like like how how is this what is this economy like like if, if Starfleet doesn't have money like do they have money to pay other people with yeah because like the Ferengi clearly have money and like trade it or, or like Quark was always well, and Quark has about... money because he paid money to go on the the Hall Suite yeah like <laughs> yeah, yeah is... I agree that is a, a very because yeah I know Quark is always talking about gold pressed latinum which yeah. is some sort of like precious metal that is used as currency. At least among the Ferengi, and it seems like the majority of like the various alien races that are trafficking through Deep Space Nine. But yeah, the impression you always get from like at least within the Federation is that there is no need for money. And yeah. in a universe where replicators are a thing, and like presumably anything you want you can just tell a computer to make for you with it seems like no real expense of resources 
Yeah. Like, what do you do with money once you have it? Is the other question. <laughs> right. It well, Yeah. And I, I'm I'm just looking on the the memory alpha page too to see if I can kind of get a timeline of this, which is. Uh, it's uh, you gotta love memory alpha the, the first thing is money or currency sometimes called legal tender was a medium of exchange used to facilitate transactions of goods or services and then just in case you didn't you needed a reference to that it says tng times arrow just in case we <laughs> they give you a... like the, 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 for a citation of what money was that's awesome um, but uh yeah i mean like there are multiple references to the fact that the federation does not use money within it but like other people use money maybe it's it's yeah but i guess then the question is where does yeah i don't know it's it's a strange it seems like there's not necessarily like a a hard and fast rule about how like what what money is what 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 kind of money is like what like who uses money and for what and yeah i don't know this just seems like it's going to be going to be a recurring theme of this of, of our show is how does money work i don't know yeah, I'd believe that. Anyway, though, I, I, I'm pretty well covered on this episode, I think. Yeah, I think we... And I didn't hate this episode. I, I just I just thought it was a little... It was a lot of episode for what it was. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think this is the kind of thing that sometimes as we try to record a whole episode of discussion about it, we've realized that like really not a lot happened in this one. Like I, mm-hmm. I thought it was very good. And um, again, I... I thought the the aspects of it about change and sort of the parallels they draw between how Dax has visibly changed and the rest of them have have changed with age, but the that like times themselves have changed. I I thought was interesting, um, but mm-hmm. but yeah, I agree. There's there may not be a lot of of meat to it if you. If you really try to describe what happens in the episode, you can kind of sum it all up pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. The nice thing, or I guess the depending on what your point of view is, the nice thing about having episodes like that are that we do have some time at the end of the episode then to talk about things like what is money? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which episode of TNG proves that this is what money is, and uh, <laughs> and which which version of Dax had sex with with uh, yeah. We will have to remember but... when when we do what was it Times Arrow you said was the yeah the TNG episode. We'll have to make a make a note when we do that episode to to figure out why you know. Yes, this is the famous the episode where we learn money about money whenever it happens yeah. there. Yep, this is um also known as legal tender. Yeah, it also says societies that yeah societies that use money were described as practicing currency based economics, which is also which is cited in DS nine in the cards. So currency based uh, economics, I like that. Yeah, there's also a very blurry image of a Ferengi coin on this page. So you gotta love memory alpha. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, we will be back in two weeks with. Uh, our next uh, podcast, the episode we're going to be doing is DS9 Season 5, Episode 21, called Soldiers of the Empire. So you can check uh, that out when it come, when our show comes back. We are on all the podcatching apps. Um, you can go to our website at outofcontracts.podbean.com. Contracts is spelled C-O-N-T-R-E-K-S. You can follow us and talk to us on Twitter at Contracts. Or you can email us at outofcontracts at gmail.com. But yeah, until next time, thank you very much for listening, guys. Yeah, thanks, everybody.